For the next six weeks or so, we're going to start a new little series together. We're going to uh, study really four things. I don't know if you can see them on the screen or not, but we're going to study hospitality, evangelism, discipleship, and service. Talk about those things and how they relate to us and our uh, kingdom mentality, how they relate to us as far as serving Christ, hospitality. We're going to talk about today and the next time we're together about our hospitable Savior. And then we're going to speak about evangelism, uh, which evangelism really is just sharing about how great our God is. Discipleship is teaching others, including ourselves, on how to follow Jesus and then service, how to neighbor. And I know there's a lot of hows in there and a lot of how-tos, and we're not really about uh, how-to people. Uh, our culture has taught us that. We just want to see what the Bible um, is instructing us as far as being kingdom-focused people, sharing who Christ is to those who are in desperate need of Jesus, and talking about and sharing about our incredible God and how awesome he truly he truly is so we'll spend some time talking about those things and hopefully god will enlighten us show us uh, through his scripture uh, about who he is and about how we can how we can better serve him i'm going to pray for us and then we'll jump right into talking about our hospitable savior god thank you so much for this morning thank you for a variety of things thank you for a building we can meet in though it is simple when we come to that but thank you for a place that we can gather as a community of believers so that our focus can be completely upon you and not upon ourselves. So God, um, through song already, we've worshipped you. And now as we study your word, we want to continue to worship you. We want to respond when we leave this place in worship of you because you are worthy of that. God, teach us this morning. Show us through scripture more about yourself so we can mature in our relationship with you. So that we can be a, gr a greater represent representation of who you truly are. We can be a part of this ministry of reconciliation that you desire for us to be a part of. Speak to us this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You think about hospitality, do you often think about God? When you think about somebody that's hospitable, when you think about somebody that shows or gives you a great demonstration of hospitality, you probably begin to think about people on TV, somebody you know, maybe one of those famous ladies that uh, that shows you how to uh, properly throw a party or properly uh, invite some guest over and give them tea or crumpets or whatever proper people eat, partake in. I should have said proper people partake in. That would have been awesome. And you think about those things. Maybe you think about uh, strangers uh, when you think about hospitality. How often are you hospitable to strangers? A stranger knocks on the door and you open the door and say, Hey, I have no idea who you are. I don't have a scanner to scan you and see if you're a, uh, you know, a, a person of good standing or if you have a background or what, you know, who you are. But instead, hey, you're a stranger. Why don't you just come on in and let's, let's dine together. Some of you are like Forrest Gump. You get to the bus and you look at the bus driver and you say, We don't know each other. My parent has taught me that I don't take rides from strangers. So you introduce yourself. Hey, my name's Lee Plant. We ain't strangers no more. So you, you live your life that way and you think about strangers and you think about hospitality and how does that work into, uh, in relation to our relationship with Christ? Well, my hope this morning is this, that we would gather together, that we would leave here understanding more about the hospitality of our Savior. I mean, hospitality really just means the love of strangers or showing love or friendly treatment 
and acceptance to visitors or guests or strangers. And so already we could end, I could end with prayer right now, because I know many of you who have been a part of uh, church before, you're already thinking, oh, I know how great my Savior is. I already have understood his hospitality. He has welcomed me as a stranger. I'm familiar with Ephesians 2, 12 and 19, that I was separated from God. I was a stranger to God, yet he has adopted me and given me an inheritance, and I'm no longer a stranger. I don't, I'm no longer called a stranger. Or maybe you think about John chapter 15, where Jesus says, if you love me, you'll follow my commandment, and because of that, I'm no longer going to call you servants, but instead I'm going to call you friends. I'm going to show you hospitality. I'm going to welcome you into who I am so that we're no longer strangers, so that we're no longer separated. Listen to these verses. Leviticus 19, verses 33 and 34. When a sojourner is with you in your land, when somebody who's traveling through is with you in your land, you shall not do him wrong. You shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you, and you shall love him as yourself. For you are strangers in the land of Egypt, and I am the Lord your God. A direction from God in the Old Testament, where God is telling his chosen people, love those strangers, welcome them, treat them as a native. We talked about last week the prodigal son, and how the father with open arms welcomes back the prodigal son and also extends his open arms to his son, his elder son, who was with him the entire time, showing this hospitality, showing this openness, welcoming strangers, welcoming travelers, welcoming sojourners back into the family. Leviticus 19 shows us that too. Romans 12, 13, there's a list of about 25 Christian characteristics. If you're following Christ, this is what your behavior should look like. And one of those says this in verse 13 of Romans 12. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. First Peter four nine is difficult. It's a difficult verse that says this: Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. I'll let you come in, but let me just tell you, I'm going to treat you with grumbling. I don't want you really to be here. I've opened the door. I got my arms open, but I don't really want you to be here. We talk about that in relation from human to human. We feel that sometimes. But I wonder if there's anybody here today or anybody that you know that often feels like maybe God's that way too, that would want to show hospitality to you but is really treating you with some grumbling because he's like, ah, I want to extend hospitality to these people, to these strangers, to these foreigners, but I also know what they're going to do in return of me showing hospitality. And so maybe you think, oh, God, he looks at me and he knows who I am and he sees how sinful I am and, and he wants to open his arms to me, but he knows I'm terrible and so he's going to treat me with hospitality in a hospitable way, but he's also going to do it with grumbling. No, he directs us. He inspires the word here in First Peter and he says, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Hebrews 13, 1 and 2. Many of you hope this happens to you this week. Let brotherly love continue. And do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. Some of you are thinking, maybe I'll answer the door this week, or maybe I'll greet someone that's a stranger, and let's hope, let's hope they're an angel, and I'll benefit from this situation. 
I think many of us interpret that scripture that way. So we see this kind of flowing throughout scripture that we have this hospitable God who wants us to show hospitality. That when we open our arms as people who are representing God, we're, we're actually opening arms like God would open his arms and showing hospitality to those who are in need. So let's think for a moment about strangers. Uh, when is the time that you were a stranger and you felt the need to be welcomed? Maybe you knocked on a door and you were nervous about what's going to happen. Maybe you've gone to a new city or you've had a new experience of somewhere, somewhere, but you are a stranger. You go to a new restaurant. You've never been there before. You have a hard time reading the, uh, the menu because it's, it's unfamiliar to you. And so you're, the waitress comes over and says, what do you want to drink or what do you want to eat? And you're not even sure because everything's so different and you just, you just want somebody to be kind to you and welcome you and, Maybe the waitress would sit down beside you and say, let me, let me help you. Let me guide you. Let me tell you what's the best to eat. Let me tell you what's the best to drink here. That's welcoming, entertaining, showing, treating others with hospitality. So let's think about our hospitable Savior. And I want to remind you of a number of things through Scripture this morning. Turn to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. God gives us the example to follow. We, we don't have to look and search to find it. He gives us the example of what it means to be hospitable. In Genesis chapter 1, we've got the creation story going on. In verse 28 it says this, And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant, yielding seed that is on the face of the, all the earth. And every tree with seed in its fruit, you shall have them for food. And go unto every beast of the earth, and to every bird of heaven of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has breath, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And verse 31 says, And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, and then there was the sixth day. So we see in this moment that God has provided everything. Have you ever been invited to someone's house for dinner, let's say? And you ask maybe because you're nice, you extend uh, an offer and you say, is there anything that I can bring with me? And maybe the host says something like, I've got everything taken care of. And you show up to the house and sure enough, everything is taken care of. You didn't have to bring anything. Everything was provided for you. And you sat down and you ate and you drank good drinks and you had great conversation and it was a, a pleasing moment mostly because you didn't have to do anything. Everything was provided for you. And that's the paradise scene here. That's the creation scene here. That's what God is saying. I'm a hospitable God who has provided everything for you. As we spoke months ago, you come to the table, you don't have to bring anything to the table. I've brought everything. Just bring repentance. Repent and believe and follow me. I've brought everything that there is that's needed. And yet, though he provided everything those that were there were not satisfied. They were not satisfied. And so a good host, when those that they've been invited over to sit and dine and enjoy everything that's been pr provided for them, a good host, when he, when he or she hears that someone is not satisfied, a good host would just kick them out. Get out of here. You don't belong here anymore. 
You're undeserving. I've provided you everything and yet you're still not satisfied. In fact, may it be that you are kicked out of here and that you never live again. Have you ever experienced that? Have you ever been to an in-law's house and they kicked you out because <laughs> they provided, God provided everything for Adam and Eve, everything that they needed, everything that they needed to, to live, to survive, to thrive, everything was provided for them. Yet Genesis 3 happens and the fall happens and they rebel. And I want to read this to you from an author. Adam and Eve betrayed God by willfully rebelling against his authority. And in so doing, they neglected the gracious hospitality he offered. Maybe you've invited someone over, and maybe they're a foodie, you know what I'm saying? Like somebody that's just really picky about food. And you put the food on the table, and they say, oh, I just, I just don't like that. I don't want any of that. And you think, oh, my goodness. I'm showing this hospitality, and I'm, I'm being gracious to them, like extending care. I'm extending love to them. I'm offering this great hospitality to them, but I'm rejecting it. I'm rebelling against it. So Adam and Eve betrayed God by willfully rebelling against his authority, and in so doing, they neglected the gracious hospitality he offered. So how does God respond? God responded with grace by seeking them out. They did not die on the day that they sinned, as God earlier had stated, so it seemed. Instead, God sewed clothes for them to cover their nakedness and their shame. And in so doing, he foreshadowed something greater for us all. And how he would not only provide for us through working the ground, but he promised us a redeemer to come and who would crush the enemy who had seduced them to to sin. I mean, this is a hospitable God. Not just kicking them out and saying, go and I hope you die but instead saying, I see your rebellion. I see your sin. I see your shame and your guilt and your nakedness. I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to provide you a way. I'm going to cover you with something so that you're no longer exposed. I'm going to take away the the guilt. I'm going to take away the the shame and the sin. I'm going to take away the death, and I'm going to give you life and life eternal so that we can dwell together again. So this is our hospitable God, if you're not familiar with him. Not one to kick you out and say, go and die, but instead one to say, I love you so much that I'm going to open my arms continually. I'm going to give you away. I'm going to redeem you. I'm going to buy you back. I'm going to clothe you with righteousness. Though you are undeserving of it, though you have rebelled against it and rejected, I'm going to clothe you with righteousness. So that happened in Genesis, right? Many, many years ago. How does God continue to show hospitality today to this broken and unholy world that we live in? Especially if God, being holy and righteous, if he cannot dwell with evil, how does he continue to show hospitality today? Well, he sets aside a people to put on display him to the rest of the earth. Genesis chapter 12 Turn there, Genesis chapter 12, verses 2 through 3. We'll start in verse 1, since it's there. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. 
And him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So God being hospitable says, I want to continue to show hospitality to the world. And the way I'm going to do it in this broken, unholy, unrighteous world is to set aside a a people to represent me, to continue to show hospitality, to welcome the sojourner and treat them as a native, to not do them wrong, a people that will love me with all that they are and then love their neighbor as themselves a people that will represent me and be these ministers of reconciliation, that years from now, after Abram's family continues on, they will be these ministers of the gospel, sharing the good news to those who are in desperate need of hospitality. God continues to do that today, using you and I for his purpose, for his kingdom glory. Us opening our arms like the prodigal son's father, saying we'll welcome you back, the one lost sheep, the one lost coin, I'm going to search for those. I'm going to extend grace and hospitality to those because our God is a loving, gracious, hospitable Savior who desires for all to be forgiven, who desires for all to be saved. So, so really, in a sense, God continues to put out a welcome mat. N- not me, not like welcome mat, but you know what I'm saying, like the one at the door. Unfortunately, many of us get it confused. We think that there's a sign at the door that says help wanted. Oh, God needs my help. Or help needed. Oh, God really needs me. He needs me to help him. But instead, God's welcome mat says help available. You know, it's funny when you drive past a volunteer fire department and there's a sign that says help help needed. You say, wait a minute, you're the ones that we call for help. If, if we're calling you for help and there's not enough of you there to, to get things done, something is not right. God never puts out a help needed sign or help wanted sign. His welcome mat says help available. He's constantly willing to show hospitality. Our hospitable God, he's satisfied. He satisfied his own demand for holiness by this way. He substituted his holiness for our wickedness and his death for ours so that he could invite us back into relationship with him and continue to care for us. See, see, many of us would think that the welcome mat would say, go away. I've seen your sin. I see your shame. I see your nakedness. Go away. But instead it says, welcome. My arms are open. I'm a hospitable God who wants you, who desires you, who wants to clothe you with righteousness. So much so that I would send my son to die in your place. How hospitable is that? You don't even have to die. Repentance is needed. Repent and walk through the door. Romans 5, 6 gives us a good picture of this. Romans 5, 6 through, 7, 6 through 11 tells us these things. You probably have them memorized. I'm sorry that I don't. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Some of us are waiting for, us, for ourselves to be strong. Maybe I'll be strong enough to open the door. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one won't scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even die. But God shows his love for us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. How hospitable is that? He's provided everything, everything that you need to live now and forever. And since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. 
So instead of the welcome mat saying, welcome, enjoy the wrath of God, it says, welcome, the forgiving Father awaits you with grace and compassion and mercy you do not deserve, mercy that you are not worthy of, but still the Father's arms are open. Since therefore we have been justified by his blood, much more shall we see, shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our, through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received reconciliation. So though we were strangers and aliens, separated from God, God puts out the welcome mat and says, help available, there is a redeemer. You can be cleansed of your unholiness. You can receive righteousness as a, a pair of new clothes. I will welcome you with open arms. I'm going to give up my son for your sake. So Jesus left his home in heaven. He, he comes to earth as a suffering servant becoming a traveling, homeless evangelist, one sharing this good news, and yet he still showed hospitality. In fact, sometimes Mandy pointed this out. Sometimes he even invited himself into other people's homes. Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house today. Get some food ready. We're going to talk about spiritual things, but we've got to eat together. So open up your door. Sometimes he's got to push his way in. Some, he's knocking like this morning maybe, even on some of you. He's knocking and he's saying, if I have to, I'll invite myself in. But I'm a hospitable God who wants to show hospitality to those who are desperately in need of it. So as we walk through scripture, we see that Christ is crucified on our behalf. How hospitable is that? Now let me, let me take care of this. I love it when friends come over, and some of you are in this room right now. I love it when friends come over and we eat together and they do our dishes. That is the best part of inviting friends over. Hey, you want us to bring anything? No, I don't want you to bring anything. I do want you to clean our dishes when you're done. And maybe some laundry. And if you don't mind, get out the back and clean it. I'll show you exactly where it is. So, so this is what happens. Christ dies on the cross on your behalf. He's crucified on your behalf. There's not much greater hospitality than that. We have a hospitable Savior. So Christ is crucified, and he's showing, he's been, he was shown hostility by the very people he came to show hospitality to. Those he was welcoming, those he put out the welcome mat and said, help available, and he wanted to help. Those people, like ourselves, showed hostility towards him instead of welcoming him into our lives. And so what happened next? A crazy thing happens next. In the crucifixion story, as Christ is dying on the cross, and he's saying things like, it is finished. The temple curtain is torn. Torn in two. Giving us this b greater picture of our hospitable God. We once were separated. We once were distanced because of your unholiness and my holiness, God is saying. You are unrighteous people and I am a righteous God. We cannot be together. Genesis 3 has separated us for a long time. And when the temple curtain is torn, access to the Father is given through the Son. The temple curtain is torn and people are looking at what just happened. And maybe, just maybe we could add this to the story a little bit. But as the temple, is, the curtain is torn and they're looking from top to bottom. And as they go down to the bottom, they see the welcome mat. And it says, help available, walk right in. 
because of the blood of Jesus, because of the sacrifice of Christ. We have access to the Father. I love what Hebrews chapter 4 tells us. The author of Hebrews, whoever he is, uh, what a great message when he says this in Hebrews chapter 4. Uh, verse 14, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. It's not just some hospitable host that doesn't even know us, but instead he knows us exactly. He knows everything that we've gone through. So we have a high priest who, who is not unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. So, because of all this, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. The curtain is torn, and access to the Father through the Son is given. And there's no greater example of a hospitable Savior than that. One that would step in your place. One that would take your place on the cross and my place on the cross. One that would receive the punishment and the wrath that we deserve because we have been separated because of our sin from God. And yet Christ steps in and shows hospitality and says, let, let me do these things for you. Let me provide everything that you need. You not having to do anything. Just accepting it. What a great, what a great picture. What a great example to follow. That we have a welcoming, hospitable God. Just as the prodigal son's father gives us that example. And so as Christ is buried in the grave, on the third day he rises, right? We celebrate this. And as he rose to life on the third day, guess what happens? The door of the tomb is opened. The door is opened. One of the key steps to hospitality is opening the door. Can I come in? Ah. You could if you had a key. Could I come in? It's locked. We don't know you. You're a stranger. I'm just not sure if we want you to come to come in. Actually, I'm looking through the window here, and I can see you, and I see your shame. I see your guilt. I see your nakedness. Absolutely not. You cannot come in. But instead, our loving Father opens the door. And when the tomb door is rolled away, he opened a way for men and women and children to finally be in right relationship with the Father. He conquered sin. And he conquered death forever so that we could be in harmony with the Lord of hosts. I mean, what a great, what a great thing that our God has done for us. Only, if only we could grasp this, then we would follow also. If we could see just how hospitable our Savior is, I think we would treat those strangers and outsiders and sojourners and aliens like Christ instead of like ourselves. So the Bible begins with God making a home for humanity, and then the Bible also ends with God making a home for humanity, for us to dwell in with him forever. Turn to Revelation chapter 21. Some of you are afraid already because we said Revelation. And we said 21, and that's near the end. And we get real scared when we start talking about the end, unless it's the end of the sermon, and then we're super excited about that. Revelation 21, we'll just read four verses together. 
We're not going to be scared of this. We're going to be excited about how hospitable our Savior is. The Bible begins with God making a home and providing everything that's needed and us finding satisfaction in Him. And then here at the end, we see that God is providing a home for all of humanity, for those who have been covered by the blood of Jesus to dwell with Him forever. Verse 20, uh, chapter 21, verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. No longer separated, but together. The creator with his created. The holy with those he has made holy through his son. Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. And he will dwell with them. And they will be his people. He will open his arms and show hospitality through his son's death, burial, and resurrection. And he will open them and welcome them into his dwelling place. And this is what he will do. The dwelling place of God is with man, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. This is the hospitality of our Savior. That though we have been separated because of our sin, he provides a way for us to be reunited with him, or reconciled to him, or redeemed to him through his Son. And then when that happens, he wants us to dwell with him forever. And in our dwelling with him, listen to this, he will... Verse 4, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Can you imagine for a moment, I wish I could paint it better for you, but can you imagine for a moment the God who we've been separated from because of our sin, but been brought back to him because of his son, welcomes you into his arms, welcomes you into his dwelling place, and that as you overcome with emotion, are received into his arms, begins to wipe away the tears from your face. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. We look at the welcome mat that the Father has placed out, saying, Help available, walk through these doors. The door is opened to you. My arms are, are outstretched for you, and I want to welcome you in. And I don't just want you to be in my home, but instead I want to have a relationship with you. So intimate of a relationship that you're in my arms and I can wipe away your tears. This is the hospitable Savior that we know. This is the hospitable Savior that's been painted, uh, the picture has been painted for us throughout Scripture. That though we have been separated, though we are strangers and aliens, God has provided a way for us back and then wants us to be ministers of reconciliation for Him. His grace is made evident through His hospitality to sinners. Christ, our Savior, was blamed so many times. Do you see him eating with tax collectors and sinners? Is he eating again with tax collectors and sinners? I thought we warned that boy about that. He's eating again with tax collectors and sinners. His grace is made evident through his hospitality to sinners. What a hospitable Savior we have. I want to say nothing else 
because of how great our Savior is. Jesus, help us this morning, please, to recognize how unworthy we are and how worthy you are and how at the right time you stepped in you weren't tardy or delayed you stepped in at the correct and right time and while we were still sinners you died for us and you showed us hospitality by welcoming a world of separated strangers from you God unholy and unrighteous and through your son we could be clothed in righteousness forever through the blood of your son our guilt, our shame, our nakedness is removed through the conquering of death we can dwell with you forever so God as your Holy Spirit continues to work No, it's not about my desire, God. It's not about my will at all. So we want your will to be done. But let us leave here treasuring you more because we see how hospitable you are and welcoming us as strangers, giving us a way to be reconciled and redeemed so that we are no longer sheep who are lost and without a shepherd, but you being compassionate. Show us and extend to us mercy and a never-ending love. God, help us to respond well to you this morning in a way that brings you honor. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Offer an invitation to you. Basically, we, uh, we stand and we sing a song together, and I'm here to greet you if you have uh, uh, something that maybe the Lord has pressed upon your heart, that you've never confessed Christ as Lord, maybe. You're not sure what to, uh, what to do next. Uh, I'd love to give you direction on that. Or maybe the Lord is really uh, pressing on you about other, other uh, things in your life that you need help with. I'd love to, to chat with you for a moment and pray with you. A believer, if the Lord is stirring in your heart, respond faithfully to him. You can sing the song. You don't have to. Respond in a way that's going to bring him glory and honor. So let's stand together. Let's uh, sing. Come out of silence from wherever you are. 